Psalm 141, a psalm of David. O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity. And let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it, yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. When their judges are thrown over the cliff, then they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant. As when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. Every year it seems like there's some high-profile Christian that falls away from the faith. I think last year was kind of big on, on this. 2019, I remember July, uh, it was, I think, Joshua Harris, who's like the famous author of I Kiss Dating Goodbye. He was actually used to be part of our denomination. Um, and um, uh, former me- mega church pastor of Covenant Life Church announced on Instagram that he's fallen away from the faith, basically, and that uh, by every measure he has for defining a Christian, that he's not He's not one based. And uh, and I think the next month in August, Marty Sampson, who was kind of like a, uh, you know, childhood, you know, uh, hero of mine in a sense of, because I love to listen to Hillsong United. He was one of the leaders of the uh, the music, uh, basically announced on his Instagram page that like, he's like, uh, well, I, I'm genuinely, uh, uh, I guess, uh, not you know believing my faith anymore or what something along those lines genuinely losing his faith he said uh so i mean these things show us that the allure of unbelief uh is real right it happens uh to people uh and we need to be kept from that if we're going to enjoy that eternity with god and that's what psalm 141 is really about it's teaching us that we should pray to god to keep us from the deadly company of evildoers um and there are two main things that help us to do that uh, in this matter. So the first half of the psalm, verses 1 to 5, is about praying to God to keep our mouths. Uh, that's the first point, prayer. And then second is verses 6 to 10, remembering the deadly fate of the wicked. Uh, so remembrance. So it's those two things that keep us uh, till the end according to this, this psalm. Um, so he, he begins by praying to God in verses 1 to 2, and he expresses a sense of urgency about this request. He says, O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So just as God accepts a pleasing incense or a sacrifice from his people, he's asking God to hear his prayers because David sees this as urgent and important. There's no time to waste. So he says, hasten to me, O God. Um, and, and I think sometimes Christians can be complacent and take perseverance for granted. 
but it's not something we can take for granted. There's a sense of urgency, uh, importance to it. We need to ask God for help. Um, and then we get to the main body of David's prayer in verses 3 to 4. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity. And let me not eat of their delicacies. So David's well aware of, uh, I mean, obviously, 1 Corinthians wasn't written then, but he's well aware of the idea in 1 Corinthians 15.33 that bad company ruins good morals. Um, uh, what's quoting from there, so that saying may already have been circulating probably somewhere from Proverbs. And so he asks God to not let his heart uh, basically drift toward evil, incline, lean toward evil, because he has himself felt the pull of the delicacies of this world, the sinful world. And so he prays that God would keep him from busying himself with the wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity. And the primary way that God's keeping of us takes place is in the arena of speech. Right? He says in verse 3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Um, guarding our speech is crucial. Right? You guys are all aware of the famous passage in James 3, 2-5, to which says, If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And so the basic idea of, behind that is if you can control your tongue, then you can control your whole self uh, because that's how unruly and difficult the tongue is to control. Uh, and a slip of the tongue have caused people jobs, uh, relationships, even their lives. Uh, and, and when we start speaking of evil, uh, and this, that's the concern that David has here, when we start speaking of evil, when we start delighting in evil, when that starts to be the subject of our conversations, when we start our, our conversations tend to be, start to be dominated by the things of this world, it's a matter of time before we start doing evil. Um, and, and so David asked, him, asked God to guard his mouth, keep watch over his lips like a, like a guard, like a soldier, a sentry uh, at the door of his lips. Um, and David knows that at times he'll fail, he'll need correction. And so he says in verse 5, Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. So David understands um, uh, that the rebuke of a righteous man, uh, it, it's, he compares to being struck. Obviously being struck hurts, uh, but it's a kindness because if he's struck and therefore repents from this, the eternal peril that he avoids is is preferable to 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 that temporal pain. Uh, and so he calls it a kindness. And he says it will be like oil for his head. This is actually a very um, vivid image because back in the ancient world, um, oil wasn't you know, as common. And, and usually it, would, it was really only people who were anointed, like kings or prophets, that felt, un, kind of understood what it felt like to have oil run over their heads. And it would have been a very refreshing feeling because they don't have modern hygiene. So you got like lice and different kinds of bugs on, in your head. And because oil, because of its viscosity, would actually kill all the lice uh, if you pour it over your head. Uh, and so it just that kind of refreshing feeling. I mean, I kind of imagine like um, 
when I have like, I don't know, I haven't washed my hair in a few days and there's like dandruff or whatever. And then that refreshing, you know, wash of like a uh, uh, head and shoulders. I don't know, like, you, have you guys felt that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, and so that kind of refreshing kindness is kind of what David envisions is, is like being struck, you know, figuratively speaking, being rebuked by a, by a righteous man that it, um, it actually because um, it will spare him much uh, deeper trouble in the end. And then, um, and, and, but as, even though he is, so David is receptive to the rebuke of the righteous man, but he steadfastly opposes the wicked. And he concludes verse 5 by saying, Yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. Not time and time, but continually, steadfastly against their evil deeds. So that's the first thing we need to do. We pray to God to keep us, uh, keep our mouths. Uh, but in addition to that, verses 6 to 10 tell us to remember the deadly fate of the wicked so that we're kept from joining them out of a healthy fear of the Lord. Uh, and that's what verses 6 to 10 uh, are about. Um, so verses 6 to 7 of the English Standard Version that I just read is actually, I think, a mistranslation. Um, it doesn't make sense. If you look at the second half of verse 6, it suggests that the evildoers will repent uh, and hear David's words and then acknowledge that they are pleasant. But that doesn't make sense in light of the context because the first half of verse 6 and verse 7 speak of their final judgment from which there is no return. Um, so I think the New International Version actually gets this exactly right. Um, so the NIV translates verses 6 and 7 this way. Their rulers will be thrown down from the cliffs, and the wicked will learn that my words were well spoken. They will say, quote, As one plows and breaks up the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. Uh, so, so that's it. So this is speaking of God's ultimate vindication of David, that when God finally throws down the wicked in judgment, they will then recognize that David was right after all. Uh, and, and, then, uh, and then they will mourn their destruction, saying, in quote, As one plows and breaks up the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. And so the, this poetic justice is highlighted by the repetition of the word mouth, because uh, earlier, right, uh, it's precisely because the evildoers did not set a guard over their mouths like David did, uh, that they lie now at the mouth of the grave. Um, but David, by God's grace, has not joined the company of evildoers, so he continues in verses 8 to 10. But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. So he understands that the things that the evildoers lure them with, that's the, the delicacies of the sinful world that David spoke of earlier, is just a trap in the end. It's a snare uh, that leads to our death. Uh, and it's, it, it's remembering that it keeps us from joining them because uh, it could look attractive uh, on the surface. Uh, and, but what the, in the end will happen is that the evildoers will be trapped by their own snares uh, and then they themselves will perish while David passes by safely. Uh, uh, wonderful uh, image of God securing our safe passage uh, to our fatherland, to our to our Savior's uh, uh, kingdom, um, to our uh, to our heaven, uh, and and uh, and the good news for us ultimately that that this psalm points to is of course the coming of Jesus, because we have all sinned, uh, we have all sinned in our speech, we have all sinned, not kept the guard over my mouth as we should have. 
we have at times joined the company of evildoers, uh, and we deserved to be like these evildoers at, scattered at the mouth of the grave. Uh, that's exactly where we deserve to be. But instead, Jesus took our place on the cross. He died, and he laid, was laid in the tomb at the mouth of the grave for three days, and God raised him from the grave. Um, so that we cannot be spared that death that we had we deserved, but instead can be guaranteed safe passage to pass by safely to our eternal abode with God. Um.